everyone. Yeah, today's guest is Cindy Dunstan Quirk. She is a small business owner in the pet industry. Her brand is called Scout and Zoe's, and she produces pet treats. And for a while, she was doing uh, pet foods. And it got me thinking: small business women. So why are majority of female run and owned businesses, small businesses, you know, under 500 employees? And, you know, is it, I just wonder, is it just our preference as women to kind of remain small? Or are we so headstrong and caring that we choose to minimize our own possibilities for the sake of keeping others happy? or keeping our relationships intact. Because as you grow, depending on your growth rate, relationships do change and you do have to clear out some relationships where things aren't as profitable. We can't, as women, I think sometimes we can't let go of those things. And do we place more value on the external relationships and not enough on the way we view ourselves. <laughs> and I mean, this keeps coming up to me for me. Are we afraid of being wrong or failing? For God's sakes, who isn't? But does that stop us? Women. Or maybe it's the business landscape. Is the business landscape dominated by being so different than how we see ourselves, that we jeopardize our own growth by not even entering the arena. Entering that arena may seem daunting, but every single business owner I know can do it. And what I've seen from the outside is it's a matter of self-confidence and we have to get rid of those mind tricks that dominate the day and uh, just get to the next step, the next pathway, no matter the size of that step, whether it's a 1% growth one day to a 25% uh, growth over time. And it doesn't mean that we're not going to fail. You know, I wonder if, if, that holds us back. You know, the fear of failure. I mean, we may still fail and not grow, but those are lessons that we take away and we learn from and we get on a new path. And those are the lessons that strengthen us. You know, obviously when you're a business owner, there are other factors that may diminish the opportunities for business growth. Like are your products even good enough? Do you have anything that stands out um is there are there points of differentiation you know there's so much stuff on the market so how does your brand stand out will it be a valuable investment or are there too many others out there doing the same thing all under different names and the same storylines so today's conversation kind of touches on some of those things and it takes us through cindy's journey in the pet industry and where she is now and where she's looking to go i hope you guys enjoy this episode 
and uh, I'd love to hear hear uh, hear back from you. Any feedback is wonderful. Don't forget to subscribe and uh, leave a review, five star review. Thanks so much and enjoy the episode. Hello, puppies and kittens. Welcome to the Petropolis podcast. I am here with my friend, Cindy Dunstan Quirk of Scout and Zoe's. Scout and Zoe's Pet Treats and actually Scouting for the Cure, a 501c3 that is scouting to cure cancer. So, um, and I'm on the board. <laughs> Hi, Cindy. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. So nice to have you, my friend. So nice Thank to have you. you. Thank I you. I adore you. Um, Cindy, tell me what's going on. Tell me about, uh, tell the audience about Scout and Zoe's for those that don't know. I don't know anybody in the pet industry who doesn't know who you are, but for those that don't or are new, uh, tell me a little bit about Scout and Zoe's so uh, we can get them familiar with your products. Scout and Zoe were my pups who have now passed, but initially or originally Zoe had allergies that I needed to find something for her to chew on way back when she was a puppy, when she was six months old and she started developing allergies. So I tried to it was a lifelong endeavor to find something for her to chew on and to uh, help her with her allergies. And that by the time Scout came, he had allergies too. So initially I developed elk antler dog chews for her to chew on because they were natural and she hadn't been exposed to them. So she wasn't allergic to them and neither was Scout. And then when the Chinese chicken jerky started killing a bunch of pets, that's when I had my line in the sand moment and said, okay, I've been thinking about treats. Let's go ahead and do this. We came out with three uh, chicken jerky, sweet potatoes and carrots, which are still in the line. Um, but that was way back in 2012. They did so well that later that year, we brought in venison and kangaroo and duck, I think. And by that, you know, now uh, all these many years later, we started out with five SKUs in 2010. And now we have over 150 and most of them are treats. And that, so that was the best idea that I had ever had, you know, beyond starting the company was to bring in the treats because now we just have, instead of just having products for canines or for dogs, we have canines and felines and small animals and reptiles and amphibians and birds. So we, you know, we, basically can't we can't be everything all things to all pet owners but we can certainly hit on most pets around the world 2010 antlers oh wow that's i had a pet retail store that was so you're one of the first that came out with the antlers huh very right. innovative well mm -hmm. talking about innovation let's talk about black soldier fly because you're one of the first who came out with Black Soldier Fly, and we're working. I to was the first Scout and Zoe was the first company to come out with Black Soldier Fly larva treats. Tell me about it. Tell me about why you went that route, and uh, definitely talk about our little uh, partnership. Okay, so the way it started was Scout and Zoe. I, I watched them their entire lives, and Zoe passed away in 2014 at the age of 14, and Scout passed away last year. Uh, just a year ago now from cancer. But um, 
I watched them their entire lives and they showed me what I needed to do with Scout and Zoe's, you know, the holes in the market. And so one day I was feeding um, the 12 pairs of bluebirds that I had in my backyard. And this was like in 2018. And um, the dogs would, I was feeding the bluebirds mealworms and the dogs would hover around underneath the feeders as the birds were pecking away, you know, trying to get at the mealworms. And I thought, well, hmm, I'll just go to Global, Global Pet and see if I can find a wholesale uh, source for mealworms because I'm not going to pay retail for these things anymore. I've got a wholesale license. Why don't I use it? And I couldn't find that. And then I started talking to a friend of mine. It's like, well, I want to use this for treats. And he said, well, mealworms aren't approved. And I thought, hmm, he said, but black soldier fly larva will be approved. And then I kind of went on, went on the global floor and thought, okay, well, let's, let me find some people who are growing black soldier flies so I can try to do something with this. And I couldn't. So I started tracking down people after global and ultimately hit on a United States source for black soldier fly larva. And at that point, it was pretty easy because you know how innovative I am. I have this wonderful, weird space between my ears and it's, it's great for cats and dogs so that they can, um, I can help them rule the world. But anyway, I came up with this idea of black soldier fly larva and we uh, formed it into a jerky. And then I brought it out. We introduced these products in 20, November of 2019. So we were the first with any black soldier fly larva products and it's just it's done really well we have the the whole bugs the whole bug larva so it's got the crunch factor to it we've got the ground larva so you can use it as a food topper if you don't want to be reminded that it actually is a bug that your dog is eat or your cat is eating and then we have the jerky which is a really wonderful um it has a wonderful nutty flavor so it's almost like eating you know if you eat walnuts or almonds it's just this real wonderful nutty flavor and so that's that was in 2019. And then because of 2020 COVID, there were no um, industry trade shows. But when SuperZoo came around in 2021, AFCO, everybody knows who AFCO is, they approved the use of black soldier fly larvae in pet and dog treats two weeks before SuperZoo started. So we were right there, right in the thick of things. So we got all this press beforehand and it's been off to the races ever since. And now, because we knew the cat market was so grossly underserved, these so poor cats and kitties and cats don't have, cool cats and kittens don't have anything to eat that's good for them. So we decided that we needed to do something about that. And because you and I are such fans of each other, and we've always talked of ways to work together, we mm -hmm. came up with da -da 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 -da, cat casting. <laughs> and it has been a rousing success. So all you cool cats and kittens out there get to eat these wonderful food toppers that are power packed full of protein because you are obligate carnivores. And we've used the black soldier fly larva as the main base for both of these. Actually, we have them in three varieties, but we use it with lamb lung or salmon or just the larva along with nutritional yeast. So not only are they tasty, but they actually have beneficial 
uh, properties to them, like aiding in digestion and helping mm -hmm. with inflammation and all of that stuff, which you can, we can go on and on about, but two wonderfully new products, uh, <laughs> products that both of us are beaming about because it's the brainchild from both of us yeah. utilizing in ingredients that we already had in stock to, uh, to bring to life these wonderful cat toppers. Yeah. And I tested over a hundred cats through all my friends in the rescue world. Um, and with the exception of my toothless cat, uh, who kept spitting it out because the larva become kind of slippery in his mouth, everybody was eating them. Well, so we'll, fix, we'll fix him up. We'll just ground it to a big old powder. And so the toothless cats in, in the world will have something too. We don't want to leave them out. Absolutely not. Yeah. And you can just break it up yourself. Absolutely. I, you know, one thing that I was a little bit concerned with when we um, came out with this, I said, are people really going to be okay with seeing the larva in the packaging? And that, that's something I still question. You know, I think the public is a little bit uh, unsure, but we're trying it. We're trying it out. I would love to yeah. get some feedback from our There's a, There is a big ick factor. Yeah. Um, but when you really think about when you let your cats, if they're outdoor cats or, and your dogs, if you let them out to have their biological breaks or bio breaks, you don't really want to know what they eat in the yard. <laughs> and if you really think about it, they're eating bugs anyway, mm -hmm. whether it's mealworms that fall from uh, the feeders. My dogs have eaten the seeds that come out of the feeders because I see it in their poop. Mm -hmm. So bugs should be the least of your worries. At least they're not, po these bugs are not, or the larvae are not poisonous for them. They're really good. They're high in protein and they have lauric acid as well as some other benefits. So yeah, you know, I, I, I can get over because we had those eyeballs for a long time too. The carp Yeah, eyeballs. you had those carp eyeballs. Those were disgusting. Yeah. So if I can get over <laughs> seeing eyeballs in a bag for the health and wellness of my pups, I can certainly deal with larvae because these, these actually that the kind of getting into the mealworms, you know, a 25 pound bag of mealworms that kind of grossed me out because I'd open them up and I'd swear they were moving. And <laughs> I'd have to make sure they were all dead before I'd put my hand in there to dip them out, but it's, I've actually gotten, I've, I've been desensitized to that. So I don't mind. I think this is really pretty. This is a pretty treat. Look at that. It is. Pretty it treat. is. I love it. I love it. And it's incredibly palatable. So that's, that's what I love. Damn, damn sirens in New York. How do you like that? Well, I can't hear them. So you're good. Oh, good. I'm glad. Well, I can hear them and the mic's picking them up. So Cindy, Tell me about Scouting for the Cure a bit, please. Scouting for the Cure is near and dear to my heart because I have lost two pups to, to hemangiosarcoma. Shotzi, both, our first, both to hemangiosarcoma. Okay. Yep. Shotzi, our first German shepherd, um, she had just turned 10 and she collapsed one day and we found um, a mass on her spleen. And three weeks later, she was dead. So, uh, and 15, three weeks and $15,000 later, she was dead. And she spent most of those three weeks at the vet rather than at home because we didn't know what it was. We didn't know it was fatal. And we thought we could save her or give her had it, some had life. It burst? Had it burst? Is that why she... Mm -mm. Nope. She just, um, she collapsed, I think, from 
maybe she probably was getting ready to bleed. I don't know. And then Scout, um, yeah. we spent all of 2021 basically battling something. Yeah. And we didn't know until late August, early September of 2021 that he also had a hemangiosarcoma. And it um, the treatment was not good because I had to fight for it. In fact, there was no treatment for him because he was so far gone at the time that we found the tumor on his liver. It had, it had grown so large that it was pressing on his intestines, why he wouldn't eat, his spine, and also on his, um, on something else. Uh, so he constantly had diarrhea. He also had lepto, which was kind of a, lab, mm -hmm. a red herring that um, masked the symptoms of the hemangiosarcoma. So the reason that scouting for the cure is so near and dear to my heart is because I've lost two pups from it. And I know how devastated we were the first time and how completely crushed. I mean, devastated and crushed are not adequate words to express the intense grief I still feel a year later after losing him. And I knew it was fatal and I knew I couldn't save him. In fact, the vet told us, told me the day she confirmed it, that I should put him there, put him down right then. And I couldn't do it. So he and I fought for about another two and a half, three weeks mm -hmm. and scouting for the cure was set up. It became an entity two days before the year mark that he was gone. And we became a 501c3 organization, which means we're charitable and we can accept donations. Nine days in nine days, which is record time. So I know Scout was Scout was there and Shotzi was there pushing everything, all the buttons with the government officials. That's record time for a 501c3 to be granted. So in nine days, we became not only an entity, but also a charitable entity. And we are, my mission with this foundation is to find the cure for canine cancer in my lifetime. And I'm 64, so we got to get on the stick. We got to get on the <laughs> stick and hurry up with this. So we plan on funding education for veterinarians and funding research being done, currently being done, that has been caused because of lack of funding. So that all blends in scouting for the cure. And because scout was the most recent um, of my, my losses with this, that's why the, the logo has a German short hair pointer on it. And he's pointing to find the cure and mm -hmm. scouting is obviously a play on his, his name. So it, um, I would imagine when I have my big exit from scout and Zoe's because ultimately somebody will, will want to either, uh, blast it and and grow it beyond my expectations or put it to bed because we're making too many waves in the pet industry. <laughs> I see scouting for the cure as being my uh, life's mission. That's wonderful. I love what you're doing with it. And I'm grateful that you asked me to be on the board. So thank you. You have some amazing people um, helping to grow scouting for the cure. Uh, Cindy, what are you looking to do next with Scout and Zoe's? Oh, my. Um, Scout and Zoe's, we continue to push the envelope of what pets want and need. Actually, it's more what they need that the market hasn't hasn't said, oh, well, here you go. Here's, here's something. Here's this. And it looks just like what we had before, but 
you know, it's not really that great. You know, tell me if you had your, you know, that your big wish and you were to visualize it, what would that look like? And um, yeah, just that, what would that look like? What would that big wish be? Because you, I, I believe you need to look for that goal to be mm -hmm. able to hit it. You need to oh, have I agree. that in your in I agree. Your, in well, there's, there's a couple of different things because my goal for the company is global domination. And you know, I'm not <laughs> joking. It. No, I know you're not joking. That's why I'm giggling. Yeah. That's why, that's why when I, you know, somebody from Singapore or Hong Kong wants to talk, I'm all too happy to get up in the middle of the night to speak with them because I want to be as well known in the pet wellness portion of the industry as like him or not, Caesar Milan is with training. Uh -huh. You know, he's, you say his name, he may be very polarizing, but people know who he is. Right. So um, with Scout and Zoe's, I want to the the big overall is to be in as many places as we can and we're in independently owned pet boutiques we're not in big box stores so to support our independent pet friends but to grow this in a way with products like these that are nutritional that have benefits beyond just say you know making their tummy stop rumbling to help them with certain illnesses or Mm -hmm. conditions that they have but yeah for, these these being the catastic yeah, treats Cindy uh, put uh, for those just listening yeah and then um we continue to push the innovation we'll probably have something similar for dogs because there's mm -hmm. no reason that dogs shouldn't benefit from this as well um we had raw product that I want to do again so it's my goal I mean the big goal is to get the equipment and the staff in place to where we could do a freeze-dried pet food that um, is more nutritionally sound and a freeze-dried cat food that because there aren't really, really strong front runners that I would say, oh yeah, I'd feed, I'd feed Ziva that, mm -hmm. that I would you know go out, go out of my way to get. So those are two, that's the big over, I mean, that's kind of like, that's the goal. And in order to do that, you know, we need to put our heads together a little bit and think about what that entails, because I'd really like to control that process where I wouldn't do you need funding. Is that something you're need, looking for? Investments on that? Yeah, a strategic partner that wants to yeah. join forces with me to to bring these things to life. Mm -hmm. OK, well, Cap capital, you know, really capital. And human capital, and along with that, the equipment to do it. Because with the um, labeling and the packaging, if we did an order last year that was 28,000 pieces or, or packages, and it took us about eight weeks to do it. With the piece of equipment that I looked at earlier this year, we could do that in a day and a half. So, you know, with scale comes new, new issues and new challenges, but that piece of equipment is, is, uh, pretty important to scaling the company mm -hmm. but the, the partnership and the investor and then the people and then the equipment kind of all mesh in there at the same time to to not implode us to but exploit us to that global domination kind of status are you actively searching for investors at this time i am okay I, we have our pitch deck ready and actually i just pitched pitched to 150 interested parties yesterday 
Wow. At the inaugural Invest in Women's Founders Summit in Indianapolis at Delta Fawcett. It was wonderful. We had a great time. I love it. Good for you. I hope, I don't hope, I'm going to put Juju out there that something comes out of that for Scout and Zoe's and for for you. I was Um, one of nine women founders presenting, actually one of eight women founders presenting yesterday. And we didn't do it in the traditional mail, like here's my deck, you know, I'm going to, because that doesn't work for women founders, that that works for uh, male founders. But for women founders, the way that this was structured was we had um, an executive who had been successful in their own right with their own company and had exited or is still making strides with their company. They interviewed us Oprah style. So we sat together and they asked us questions and we had this wonderful conversation that the audience got to be part of. And it was, it was uh, in fact, one woman, one woman founder walked away with uh, a bump, a fist bump for a hundred thousand dollars yesterday. So it works. Wow. So the, what a shift in the way uh, businesses looked at it. And, and were these women investors, women investors? And Some women of them were. It was, it was a men and women investors. But what we found, there's a great, uh, I belong to a group in Indianapolis called the Startup Ladies. Mm-hmm. And if you go on startupladies.org, you'll find on the blog uh, an article about pattern matching. And that's basically where um, investors look for uh, companies that are, you know, sort of mirror them. It's males, you know, basically white males with a certain, you know, look and feel, and they match their own pattern and that's who they invest in. Well, mm-hmm. that doesn't work for women founders because we don't look like them. We do, we aren't your typical entrepreneur. We also don't think like that. We think no, in we don't. creating stories and making those deep-rooted connections, which men don't. I mean, a company, and I'll tell you this, the company that I'm, and maybe working with, I mean, they're like, they, they, the guy actually said to me, so how do you think we can make 500 grand the next four months? I was like, you have no story. Nobody knows who you right. are. Are you serious? And, you know, it, this is the venture capital mindset that mm-hmm. I've been exposed to on the pet side, and I'm sure it's everywhere. So sorry for interrupting. <laughs> no, no, no. And so one one last statistic along with this is of the billions of dollars that are invested every single year, guess how many of dollars are, what percentage is invested in women founders? Is it less than 10%? 2.2%. 2.2%. it's unreal so this pattern matching is not something that we came up with it's not something that is just like you know we grabbed it out of the air and said hey let's talk about that but it's real it happens Mm -hmm. and women founders are grossly underserved in the vc private equity angel investor friends and family market we just don't get the we don't get the money so i've been at this for January will be my 14th year. And I've worked in the early days, I worked three jobs to fund it simultaneously, three jobs together. And then Mm -hmm. ultimately it's like, okay, I can do this. It can sustain itself, but we still haven't, haven't ever received any investment money in the 13 years I've been 
in business. And that needs to change because in order for me to scale this to the proportions that I know that it can grow, I need assistance. I need a team behind me. I need some uh, capital to get the equipment and the human uh, staff to, to help me so that I can either spend time developing great products or be the face of the company and say, okay, well, we're here and get out and speak more and, and talk about why we do such a good job of why we, we rock the world with our treats. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there, okay, now, now you've actually, uh, you, I'm curious, um, are there a lot of investment firms run by women uh, or is it there are not there's there's not many run by women there are women's funds um but they're kind of few and far between and that's the primary goal of the startup ladies is to help women funders find women entrepreneurs they do we do um their startup ladies does startup study halls twice a month where we go as founders and listen to experts tell us how to maneuver around these things or maneuver through some of the obstacles that we'll face, whether it's marketing or sales or startup investing, but they also have, startup ladies also have like startup investing 101, where investors can go and learn about women founders and why they're different and what they bring to the table that men founders are, uh, do not. So it's this wonderful organization that you don't have to be a woman to join but it primarily serves the female founders and female funders. Hmm. Wonder if there's anything like that in New York. That well, if there's not, you need to create it because, and you should talk to Kristen Cooper. She's just she's an advocate for women, for inclusion. Um, It's a safe place to talk about your challenges, and you don't have to be any particular orientation. To there is nobody that's excluded. Everyone is welcome. It's a very can you, connect, can you connect me and Christian? Would you mind? Absolutely. Um, actually, you know what? I you know you know I get excited and I get take these projects on. And I bring them to fruition, and then I step into another project because I love I love making things happen. You know, I and even though I'm in consulting right now, consulting is you tell people what to do. A lot of brands don't do shit with with the information. Mm-hmm. I'd rather go out there and work with companies and brands and get it done. So um, this would be something super fun for me to do on, on the side in addition to everything else I'm doing. So thank you for that. Um, Cindy, what would you like to leave us with today in our bonus episode featuring well, small business manufacturers who rock? <laughs> shop small because we, instead of you know supporting these gigantic retailers, the titans of the industry, um, we are funding our pets uh, lives, Mm -hmm. we're funding our dreams. That's the reason why I love to support independent retailers is because I help them live their dreams and they're helping me live mine. It's a very symbiotic relationship. Um, In order to to be all that I wanna be and to do everything that I know I'm capable of and was put on here on earth to do, we need a partner. So if you're listening or if you're watching and you have an interest in a wonderful small business that can grow to, I mean, we already are global proportions, but we could be more global than we are. Mm -hmm. Um, Get in touch with Taz or get in touch with me directly. And um, if you have a store 
that wants something different, look to Scout and Zoe's because we are not your normal pet manufacturer. We're not your normal supplier. You will find things with us that really and truly it comes out of this very odd space between my ears, good for good or not, but for the pets of the world, it's a wonderful space. And I'm, I do think that that's the reason that I was put here is to not only use my voice to help others, but to help all pets live their best, healthiest, longest lives. And just join us in the, just join us in our dance because we, we have a good time doing it. And it just brings joy to my heart and my soul when I see a cat or a dog with these gigantic smiles on their faces because their pet parent loved them enough to get them these nutritious, wonderful treats that we've set out for them to get. Thank, thank you, you for so having me. Thank you so much for doing this. And I'm grateful to be working with you. Thank you, Taz. Feelings mutual. <laughs>